Good morning, everyone. Uh, yesterday was the fifth anniversary of me becoming Archdeacon of Bath. Uh, having, before that, I was 14 years uh, in a parish down in Taunton, or two parishes. And um, uh, almost every week during my time as being an Archdeacon, I thought, you know, maybe I should just go back to parish ministry. <laughs> this morning has reminded me why I don't want to go back to parish ministry. <laughs> I had exactly dealing with technology before every service was an absolute nightmare. That's why I went grey. I want to just read one verse and then I'm going to pray. I'm really grateful that um, Craig said, we're doing the creed. I believe in Jesus. Come and tell us why you love Jesus. <laughs> so I hope this isn't a kind of big theological thing. It's, um, it tells you a bit about what matters to me as well as what I think the scriptures teach us about Jesus. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Heavenly Father, please open our eyes that we might behold the truth of what we read, that it might transform our hearts by your spirit. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, there are many historical photos that have captured the popular imagination over the last century. Uh, some of us may uh, be able to picture these. Albert Einstein ticking, sticking out his tongue, if you can remember that picture. Or Marilyn Monroe with her dress billowing up as she stands over an air vent. Or maybe rather more sobering, uh, uh, the image of a young, naked nine-year-old girl crying on the streets in Vietnam after a napalm attack. But few pictures are both so important and yet so unrecognisable as the one that scientists call Photo 51. I wonder if you've heard of it. It was a photo that was taken, uh, captured in 1952 by Raymond Gosling. He was a graduate student working in King's College in a lab of Rosalind Franklin. She was an expert in something called X-ray diffraction crystallography. I've got no idea what that is. But photo 51 is a fuzzy image of a gel containing some DNA fibre. It was the key piece of evidence that helped Watson and Crick to identify the chemical structure of DNA. And photo 51 was called that simply because it was the 51st photograph that they took. And the archivist in King's College, Jeff Boswell, says this about that photo. Arguably, it is the most important image ever taken. In that one image, we see for the first time the secret of life itself, the very building blocks of all life on earth. Yet what I want to say is this, as stunningly important as photo 51 is, I want to suggest to you that had Mary, the mother of Jesus, been living today in 2022, I am certain we'd be able to look at an even more significant photograph. An image that would reveal to us not just the building blocks of life, but the very source of life and the creator of life itself. You see, most women, when they find out the good news that they're to have a baby, it's via a pregnancy testing kit in a bathroom. For Mary and for Joseph, it's somewhat different. It was an angelic visitation. But like all expectant mums and dads, once they knew the news, had it been around now, no doubt they would have been straight down to the Nazareth maternity wing of the hospital. She'd have had her first scan. 
And though, like all scans, the image would have looked like an upside-down locust, because they always do, don't they? They would have, in reality, seen the very source of life itself. As Mary was told, the Holy One to be born of you will be called the Son of God. Or as Matthew tells us here, what the Bible uh, told us uh, many, many moons ago, he says, that in that image, that grainy image, they would see Emmanuel, God's with us. Or as Paul describes in Colossians chapter one, Mary would have seen in that grainy image in her hands, the visible image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. What an extraordinary photo that would have been if we'd had the scan of Mary's womb at that moment. You see, I believe the scriptures teach firmly and clearly that Jesus Christ is God himself. That Jesus was the one through whom God created this universe. He is not just a holy man. He is not just a holy teacher. Someone who experienced a closer walk with God than many others. He is the creator of the universe itself. And I believe what the angel told Joseph And what the scriptures tell me is that when I look at Jesus, I see God in all his fullness. If I want to know what God is like, I simply need to look at Jesus. So many people in this world say, I like to think of God like. And most of the time we come up with an idea of God that's really in our image of how I like to imagine God would be. The scriptures tell me that when I look at Jesus, I see God as he really is. And not God light or diet God or God zero. I see 100% full fat God in human body form. And when I read the pages of the gospels, everything in his life showed me that that was true. He had power over creation. As he spoke a word, he stilled a storm. As he prayed a prayer, two loaves and five fishes suddenly fed 5,000 men and all their family gathered on a mountain as well. He had power over human illness as he simply touched a blind man or said a word and the lame man stood up. He had power over evil as he cast out demons into pigs and power over death as he called out to a tomb And a man dead for three days suddenly walked out of that tomb. And what really got him in trouble was he had power to forgive. As he told a lame man lowered through a roof, your sins are forgiven. And the religious leaders knew the truth that only God can forgive. Jesus does what only God can do. There is no doubt in my mind who Jesus is. Except, can I be honest with you? Clergy shouldn't say this, and they definitely shouldn't say it when at the front of church, and especially not when you're an archdeacon. I sometimes doubt my faith. I sometimes wonder, am I making it all up? I sometimes wonder, have I just been taken in? 
Sometimes I wonder, maybe, and I had this very recently, I was in, um, dare I say, Mauritius three weeks ago. Special uh, celebration of a special uh, wedding anniversary. And I went to Hindu temples and the guide was a Muslim driver and, and I thought, well, maybe they're right. Maybe Jesus was just a holy man, a great teacher, but nothing more. You know, if I'd been one of the disciples, do you ever play that game? If I was one of the disciples, which one would I be? I know exactly who I'd be. I would be Thomas. I absolutely would be Thomas. Why? Because actually I'm a scientist by background. I was a scientist long before I became a vicar. And evidence matters to me. I know it's not very touchy-feely. It's a bit heady, but evidence matters to me. I need convincing before I'll believe something. You know, the person I go back time and time again to is C.S. Lewis. Because C.S. Lewis summed it up very clearly. He said, you've got three options when you look at Jesus. You either say he was a lunatic. You either say uh, he was a liar. Or he has to be Lord. You've only got three options. He doesn't give you the option to call him a good teacher or a holy man. See, because he said, I am God's, because everything he did pointed to him being God, if he isn't, then he's a lunatic. I have visited people in mental institutions who believe they are the Messiah. I've visited them. Or he's a liar. And why would you follow a liar? Or he is Lord's. You see, that's why I'm not... Uh, I'm not someone who believes that uh, uh, all the different religions of the world give us a perspective on God and Christianity gives us a perspective and Islam gives us a perspective and Hinduism gives us a perspective because Jesus doesn't say I've come to give you a perspective on God. He's come to say I am God. You want to see God, look at me. Which is why he said I am the way, not a way, the way. I am the truth, not a truth. I am the life, not a life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And I look at the evidence of his life, death, and resurrection, and I'm convinced. And the doubts seep away again. See, Emmanuel, God with us, that's why I believe and trust in Jesus Christ. And it may seem a bit intellectual, so let me tell you something else that's really powerful to me in that truth that means so much to me. The heart of the Bible has the idea of a God who lives with people. Do you remember in the Old Testament? As the people of Israel traveled around, we're told that God pitched his tent. He had a tabernacle. He was a camper. I like camping, except when it's raining and windy, which it is most of the time we go camping, but God was a camper. And he camped amongst his people. And when his people got up and moved, he had his tent packed up and off he went with them. And they knew he was there. Why? Because there was a pillar of clouds or there was a pillar of uh, of fire. And then you get that wonderful moment, don't you, in John's Gospel. You all know it probably well. John 1.14 where it says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Literally it means tabernacled. He pitched his tent amongst us. The reason why I believe in Jesus Christ and why it matters so much to me is because it tells me that God is not remote. For most people, God, if they believe in him, is kind of out there and kind of untouchable. And in Jesus, God says, no, I come close 
and pitch myself right amongst you. And that's an extraordinary thing to know that God is close with us, isn't it? There's that wonderful moment when Jesus says to his disciples, I'm leaving you. And I can imagine the panic in the room as he says that. And he says, but don't worry. I'm not leaving you alone. I'll send you another counselor, someone just like me, my Holy Spirit. Now, I'm sure you're going to do that next week. God's empowering presence. But I just love that thing that Jesus says, from now on in, God is always with you. And I'm going to ensure that. It's an amazing thing, isn't it, that God lived in Mary for nine months. The truth is, when you put your trust in Jesus, God lives in you for the rest of your life. That is mind-blowing, isn't it? And not just that, but when God comes in, he comes in to transform us. Jesus transforms us. I went online and looked again at those iconic photos I spoke of at the beginning. And I was especially struck by the horror of that young Vietnamese girl in that napalm attack. And I found an article written by her in 2018. She has a very long name, but one of the names is Kim, so I'll keep it to Kim, so I'm not very good on Vietnamese. She describes how her life was so affected by that childhood experience of war and that napalm attack. She describes the physical pain and burning that she felt for years. And worse, the hatred and bitterness that consumed her for what had been done to her. She had sought ways to deal with the impact, but she was never able to find a way. And yet her life turned around Christmas Eve 1982. Having tried various religions, she found herself at a small church service in Saigon. And she heard the news, the news that we've been talking about today, that was announced to Mary and Joseph of a saviour who was born. And Kim says this in the article, how desperately I needed peace, how ready I was for love and joy. I had so much hatred in my heart, so much bitterness. I wanted to let go of all my pain. I wanted to pursue life instead of holding fast to fantasies of death. I wanted this Jesus. And she goes on to say, when I woke up that Christmas morning, I experienced the kind of healing that only comes from God. I was finally at peace. See, that's what I love about Jesus. He's not just God and how I can know God or some intellectual thing, but he comes close and he transforms. But there is one other thing, and it comes out from the rest of that passage. It's not just that God is here with us in Jesus. But in the words of the angel, Jesus is God saving us. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now I've got to be careful. This is a series on the creed. You're probably going to do something about Jesus' death on the cross, I presume, at some point. So maybe I can't go too much into that, but you can't get away. One of the reasons I love Jesus is not just of who he is, but what he has done in my life. Can I tell you a little image that I sometimes use that helps me to understand the impact that Jesus has had on my life? Um, We did this when we moved into the uh, archdeacon's house, which is provided. We had some new carpets put in. Can I tell you, they were far whiter than we imagined. (laughs) You know, that made me think, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble now. (laughs) 
Well, I want to imagine that you've just put in the whitest of white carpets into your house. Suddenly there's a knock on the door. And outside is a wonderful friend. Uh, You'd love to spend time with them. It's just great to see them, but you look down and they've clearly come to you through the mud of Western Supermare Beach (laughs) in their wellies. And you look at them and you say, do you know, I'd love you to come in, (laughs) but you ain't coming in like that. (laughs) Because if you come in like that, you are going to mess up my carpets. He says, do you know what I'll do? And he calls up the stairs and you say, and your son comes down the stairs and says, I'll tell you what, I'll take off these lovely clean slippers and I'll hand them over and I'll go and get the boots and I'll wait outside instead. Now, it's a pathetic little image, but you know what that image means. You can imagine that protecting. Well, that's an image of heaven, isn't it? Heaven and God are just perfect. And the problem is, through life, we pick up spiritual mud, mess. The things we've said and done that have hurt others and hurt God. And in a sense, we all stand at the door and God says, I love you, but you ain't coming in like that, my friends. And the wonderful thing is that Jesus steps in. He steps in and puts the boots on himself with all of its mud and mess. And he hands over his, dare I say, slippers, clean and perfect, and says, in you go. And I know that Jesus has done that for me. In his death on the cross, he has just given me his wonderful perfection. and He's taken my mess and mud and taken it away which means I'm certain. I know I doubt a lot, but I'm absolutely certain that one day I'll be welcomed into heaven, not because of anything I've done. Do you know, when we were in Mauritius, there's this amazing moment. Have I got time? Am I all right? I was in in the temple, and there was just Hindu gods everywhere, and everyone's giving sacrifices and doing all sorts, and I've got a Muslim guide. And he kept telling me, do you know what you're meant to do? When you go to the toilet, honestly, tell me, he said, you always go in with your left foot first, and when you come out of the toilet, you always go out with your left foot first. And then he said to me, but when you're going in the house, you always go in with your right foot first, and when you come out with your right foot first. Why, he said, because that's the way you ensure favor from God. That's the way you ensure God's on your side, that he'll bless you. And then he told me about all these other different gods, and if you did this, they'll bless you in this way, and if you go to that one, they'll bless you in that way, and if you do this, and if you do that, and Fran and I just stopped, Fran's my wife, and just went, thank goodness I'm a Christian. Because <laughs> I, I don't have to do that to know that God loves me, to know that God places his favor on me, I, because it's all grace, it's just his gift. I don't have to do stuff to make him love me or do stuff to make him favour me or do stuff in the hope that I'll get good luck. That is the extraordinary thing of Jesus. It's just a gift. He says, just put your trust in me. And literally the riches of heaven are yours. And it's for me not just that once when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, which I I think I did in my late teens, I think I did it about five times on five separate camps each year because I was never quite sure I'd really done it. It's not just that he saved me once. I think what matters to me is he saves me every day. Do you know, I've come to love communion more and more recently. Do you know why? Because I'm far more aware of how 
I think even more as an archdeacon, of, because I get very grumpy as an archdeacon, I'm aware how sinful I am. And you know, I've found that now when I take bread and wine, maybe it's post-COVID especially, the physicality of actually eating bread and drinking wine, I actually have in my head, I'm eating grace and I'm drinking grace. And it almost feels like to me a reset moment every time I do. Dare I say, it's a bit like the vanish that sits by our washing machine. Except my vanish, our vanish doesn't get all the stains out. But now I just know. Can I just show you a little video? It's just a minute and a bit. This is where the technology could all go pear-shaped. If it doesn't, I'll tell you a different story. But this little video came up, has come up on my um, kind of Twitter feed, Facebook feed, all sorts, all the way through this week. And I have found it incredibly powerful. Let me just show it to you. Is it going to work? Just watch. Find that extraordinarily powerful because I've always imagined that God's grace is not unlike that trampoline. That whether sometimes I fall, sometimes I fall accidentally, sometimes I fall very deliberately. And every time it catches me and it takes, puts me back, it puts me back. That is the grace of Jesus Christ. That is what it means that He saved us from our sins, not just once, but each and every day. And I can start each day with a clean slate, each day with his love, knowing he's there for me, knowing he's close. My friends, that's why I believe in Jesus Christ. If you don't yet know him, talk to Craig, talk to me. We'd love to show you how, through simple faith in him, all of that can be real for you too. Amen.